set to begin its next full season on December 21. No, I don't care either. I know. I, I get it. Look, I haven't abandoned the Pittsburgh market. Good morning to you. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. But there is a relevance to what the NBA does as it relates to Pittsburgh. And that, plain and simple, is that the NBA is an arena sport. It's an indoor winter arena sport. And as such, it's going to be setting, if not necessarily the standard, at least the first cutting down of the path to how to get through a pandemic, maybe the height of the pandemic, something I'll be discussing later in the show, and to do so while still keeping everybody safe, making money, you know, the TV money, getting everything done before the Summer Olympics start, and, you know, while you're at it, having a few fans in there. The NHL, in stark contrast, hasn't made, much less announced, anything remotely resembling a plan. Uh, Bill Daly, the vice president, who's served a very long time underneath Gary Bettman, told ESPN earlier in the week, flat out, we don't see any point in making a plan right now. There's just too many uncertainties. Too many things we don't know. There's just no real will to sit here and start scripting scenarios, much less attaching dates and locations to them. I'm not sure that I believe that, mostly because I don't believe much that comes out of NHL HQ. But if it's accurate, it really doesn't make much sense. This isn't to minimize the virus or anything like that. I always feel like I have to say that. Uh, Nor is it to suggest that either I or anybody else would know how the virus will be affecting the entire continent come, I don't know, even next week, let alone next month or January, February, and whatever else. However, the NBA has moved ahead, and I'd like to think, given the fact that the NBA really probably has professional sports only good commissioner, and the fact that the NBA Players Association, which also seems to be going along with this completely, I'd like to think that there's some merit to what it is that they're doing. And and at the moment, it's not any particular... Uh, exceptional plan. They're just going to play games. I mean, every situation in every city is going to be a little different. I should say state and province as you work your way across both the U.S. and Canada, although having the Raptors stay in Toronto seems untenable. So I don't know. Maybe they moved to Buffalo like the baseball team did. But where the rest of it's concerned... They're planning to just, you know, play. See how it goes. 
I'm sure it's going to do more than see how it goes, but you know what I'm saying. They have a they they've figured something out. They're ready to move forward. Specifically, the reason that the NBA picked December 21, they would have training camps open on December 1, so there's three weeks to prepare, and then they would be ready to capitalize on their Christmas games, which are their biggest events of the year until you get to the NBA Finals. Uh, It's just become a thing with them. They've done really, really well in marketing those. Their main event on Christmas and they see that as something that they can offer to the networks in which they can be paid to do their jobs. That's kind of what we're all doing, right? I mean, we're we're doing them in different settings, but we're doing our jobs and ideally making money. The NHL, I'm going to say this again, has no plan. Initially, and this was... Right at the start of the NHL draft a few weeks ago, Gary Bettman announced that the league would be looking at a January 1 start. This is after there was rumor all over the place that they were going to be starting on December 1. Uh, That never seemed feasible. January 1. And then the next thing that happens is Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, blurts out on a radio station in Nevada that, the owners are actually talking about February 1. Remember I mentioned the Olympics? Well, neither the NHL nor the NBA wants to get anywhere near the Olympics, which swallow all ratings up. They just do. It's just They're that big. The IOC and, in turn, their respective networks that cover them from around the world, including the biggest payer of all, NBC, have made crystal clear that they are absolutely having the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. A year late, but etched in stone, not budging. The NBA doesn't want to cross into that. The NHL, they they insist that they can if they want to. If they, if, if they can kind of just stay in the background or they can just play regular season games and stretch things out so that their playoffs come after the Olympics, I don't think they're going to want to come anywhere near it. And the main reason for that is, is that the following season, they really, really, really would want to get things back on track. Uh, Seattle's coming into the league. There's got to be some certainty at some point that they can sell – to their fans, to their sponsors, to their TV networks and everything, that, look, we're, we're going to have an 82-game season. And you can't just have the players, you know, play right into September and then say, hey, let's start again. I think it's going to be a short season. I do think it's going to start not necessarily on January 1, but a little bit later. But I think you're going to see somewhere in the range of uh, – 50, 60 games max, and that, by the way, is what the, the the NBA is talking about, is having a minimum of 60, but as many as 72 regular season games. The NHL has made it clear they don't want to go fewer than 48. Remember they played a 48-game season once after a labor stoppage? Tough, tough circumstances. Believe it or not, I'm not criticizing when I bring any of this up. Uh, I want to see the Penguins back on the ice as much as you do. Uh, I'm 
someone who's loved hockey in every form, participated in it in every form over the course of my life. And I've been anything but a sky-is-falling type as it relates to the coronavirus. But this is different. It just is. This is different. This is a league unlike the NBA that can't just flip on the light switch, play in an arena in front of whatever, some really, really small crowd, and count on megazillions in TV revenue. And the NBA does really, really well in TV ratings, way better than the NHL. The NHL does better in terms of ticket sales and ticket revenue than the NBA does. Not a lot of people know that. They get more attendance. But in TV, it's not even close. And as such, the revenue isn't even close. So it's a little easier for the NBA to say, well, we're just going to whatever. If we play in front of empty arenas, we'll play in front of empty arenas. Big deal. I don't think the NHL can do that. I just don't. They don't have endless funding, meaning the individual clubs. Nor do they have any real will to go right back to the NHL Players Association and ask for some kind of massive cut right after they just amicably signed this five-year extension of exactly that pact. I don't think they have any taste for that. There are some owners of minor league franchises, meaning AHL and ECHL, that are already openly talking about opting out. Not players, teams just opting out. Some of them make sense. There are AHL farm teams of Canadian NHL teams that think they won't be able to get across the border if their players get called up. How about that, huh? I don't have an answer. If you're waiting for an answer here, I I don't have one. I'm just trying to lay out what it is and how tough it's going to be for the NHL to restart, more so than any of the four professional sports, because I don't believe for one second that they can afford to go back into these buildings and have them closed up, closed off to fans, or to have just, what, what, 1,000, 2,000 people? I mean, think about the ratio that's allowed right now in Pittsburgh. Heinz Field holds 68,500 people. That's the number of yellow seats in there. And the Steelers' two home games so far have barely had 5,000 people because of state limitations for anybody who doesn't know. That's not because that's all they could draw interest for undefeated NFL team. So what do you allow inside PPG Paints Arena, which is indoors and comes with way more challenges in the wintertime while this thing is spiking at unprecedented heights? What do you allow? A thousand? Two thousand? You think that's going to pay Sidney Crosby's salary? I don't know. Hoping for the best. When we come back, let's switch it up to some football. Welcome back. It's Steelers versus Cowboys this weekend. Texas. The specifics of that are that the Steelers are 
7-0. The Cowboys are 2-6. Kickoff is 4.25 p.m. Eastern, and it'll be at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. And I'll be there, and I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the whole trip, actually. Going to take my usual trip into downtown Dallas, which, by the way, is not near Arlington, to see the Sixth Floor Museum, uh, which is open to the public in a very cautious way. I had to get a ticket in advance. That's always, always an enlightening experience. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. LGKG has been AV rated. That's the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics. They've also been designated as super lawyers for over 15 years. That, in the legal industry, is a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can also just learn more about them online at lgkg.com or give them a call, 888-842-5454. I've been speaking here all week on this show about the very real struggle of attempting to build up anything remotely resembling real analysis in advance of this matchup. The Steelers should be able to do pretty much everything they want against this particular opponent. I'm not going to predict some wacky score or anything like that because they don't have any reason to be doing that either. They need to go in there and take care of business. It says here that they've got the professionalism and, yeah, the character to get that done. When the Steelers won last week in Baltimore, I wrote a column for DK Pittsburgh Sports that was all about that term right there, about character. It can be kind of a hokey thing. You can roll your eyes when you see it and go, oh, yeah, here's somebody else pontificating on the intangibles or whatever, and all I want to do is find out why this happened or what that happened. Sometimes it really does come down to that. Sometimes competition of any kind, never mind sports, really does come down to confidence, to a little bit of cockiness maybe. But all of that's a reflection of character. So what I wrote about for the beginning of this column, for anybody who missed it, mostly, was that ball heading toward the end zone out of the hand of Lamar Jackson. Last play of the game. Last play of the game. One play wins it all or loses it, I guess, depending from your perspective. It's the kind of stuff that you always hear coaches say, uh, and athletes say this too, this is the kind of situation that you dream of when you're a kid. This is what you live for. This is why you train. This is, You know what? That's actually not true. Not for everybody. Not everyone wants to be in that situation. Most, most athletes who have reached a level 
as high as the NFL and obviously doesn't get any higher for football are going to be the types who do embrace that. The ones with lesser um, confidence, cockiness, character, whatever, they get weeded out on the way up the ladder. They'll get weeded out in, and I'm talking about the ones who have the talent, the natural physical capacity to be able to perform in these leagues, but they don't necessarily do it because they lack the intangibles. They just get weeded out. People figure them out. Coaches figure them out. Teammates figure them out. The scouting combines find ways to figure them out. They watch for little things. You might remember or not when the Steelers drafted Alex Highsmith in the third round that both Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert spoke gleefully about watching things that Highsmith was doing in his college workouts that impressed them. Like, not football things. They were just watching his behavior. I I don't even know what that could have meant. Like, was he great at getting a drink of water from the fountain? I don't know. They just saw certain things. They're looking for character. They're looking for that edge. We can all find somebody who can run a four-point X40, depending on the position. The difference is, the difference becomes, and the difference will always be, the character, the drive, the motivation, the belief. So, football's in the air. And it's coming right to Sneed, right to him. It was a good throw by Lamar. You can judge whether or not Lamar should have looked somewhere else. I, I'm not going to give him heat on that. He had to step up in the pocket. The Steelers have been sacking him all day, already had four turnovers. He moves up in the pocket, fires it straight ahead. Ball was headed right towards Snead. It's a 50-50 ball in the truest sense because Mink has got position there too. Justin Lane's behind Snead. And he kind of goes low. He's looking more to take Snead. Uh, I don't know if it's a tackle or to make sure that he can't cross the goal lines. It was right at the goal line or whatever he's thinking. It's the heat of the moment. Minka wanted the ball. And I wrote in my column after listing Snead's comments in which he talked about, uh, you know, you hope it goes this way. It's just one of those plays, and it sounded all kind of wishy-washy. And I don't know Snead. I'm not. I'm not going to hear. I'm not going to be here to rip this guy and to denigrate his character or anything like that. I'm just. I know what he said, and I know that the other guy looked like he wanted that ball a whole lot more. We couldn't talk to Minka. Uh, he wasn't one of the players that was made available immediately in that Baltimore game. So he wasn't around to talk about that specific play until yesterday. And this is what he had to say about it. Really want you to hear this. And in regards to that last play, uh, I mean, you know, I, I was just doing my job. Uh, so I, I guess it played out the way I thought it would. That's it. He wanted the ball. He wanted the football. If he was going to get physically hurt in a collision, 
as Sneed kind of did, by the way, when Minka's shoulder went into his head after the ball was contacted, and with Minka playing nothing but the ball, which made it completely legal. Whatever. He was going to get the ball. He was going to get the ball. If you ever worry about the Steelers and their various inconsistencies, and you know they've obviously been a team that's, in, in recent weeks, had one really good half, one really eh half, just remember that, that their roster is made up of these types of guys. Now, the only thing that bugs me about this is that I can't go back and put Minka's quote related to that play back into that column, which was written on Sunday, but whatever. I'm sure nobody else is going to be complaining about that. When we come back, a, a kind of a serious, not kind of, a, a serious thing that's not a sporty thing. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. stuff has happened in 2020 most of it not good I could kind of begin and end an essay on the year with just that you know not good it's been bizarre surreal all kinds of adjectives that however it was that we were using them in the past the definitions of them have become increasingly stretched. You know what I mean? This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. You can make a difference here in our region where there are people who don't know where their next meal is coming from. That's not just something that people say. It's not just something that's a random... statistic it's it's real and now with the pandemic going on and unemployment high it's real it's real in this moment the food bank has a drive going called grow share thrive in which if you contribute ten dollars there's a matching five dollars The math on this is kind of uplifting because $1 is all it takes to provide food for five meals. That's a real thing. On their website, they actually show you how that works. Go to their site, growsharethrive.org. Make a difference with the food bank. The news isn't all that great, and believe it or not, uh, I'm not discussing in any way, shape, or form the divisive effect that an emotional election like the one we're still having uh, is having on the country and is going to have on us for a long, long time. I'm 
talking about the virus. I would really hope that this thing, which has been around and been in our faces, so to speak, since March 11, would have resonated with everybody in terms of how horrifically real it is. We're on the way to losing a quarter of a million Americans. I I see, hear, and read people debate if that number is authentic. And, and I'm not here to get into that either, because if it's, if it's not a quarter of a million, if it's more, as some people say, still horrific. If it's less, still horrific. So this isn't something where fussing over the technicalities has a whole lot of value. It's a very bad thing. Yesterday... In this country, we had 120,000 new cases of coronavirus. That's the most we've ever had in a single day. The day before that, we had 100,000 new cases. That was the first time we'd ever hit six figures in a single day. This is not a favorable trend. Do not try to find comfort in number of hospitalizations, which is, by the way, very high and trending toward the highest mark yet, and that's 60,000. Definitely don't try to find comfort in 1,700 Americans having died yesterday. One day. That's three plane crashes, to put that in a different term. Three regular old 737s going down, which would make the most massive headlines if that's how those Americans died. I don't know. I I don't... I'm not going to get preachy on anybody here. I've made clear uh, how I feel about this thing, how I feel about sports within this thing. I do believe... As I was emphasizing in the opening segment, that there is room for people to do their jobs, that there is room for professional athletes to compete, and there is room, when it's done right, as we've seen in the NFL, safely, without incident, for a certain number of fans to come to games and conduct themselves responsibly. But this is starting to get a little bit creepy. This is starting to literally hit heights that it hadn't hit before. I don't believe that we're headed toward any kind of lockdowns. And again, let's let's leave the politics out of this. There's evidence now around the world that lockdowns, like total lockdowns, aren't necessary and in some cases can be counterproductive. That comes directly from the World Health Organization. But I I do think we're headed for a slowdown, if you will. I I think you're going to see, you know, more restrictions on what we can and can't do, when we can and can't do it. 
especially once the weather gets colder and more of us are inside and more bunched up and all this other stuff. I know you don't want to hear this because it's a sports show and everything else. It's on my mind, okay? I mean, that's – I'm sharing. I also don't want sports to stop. That's selfish, but I'm trying to keep it real here. What we've done to our credit as citizens of this country is that when we've had our backs against the wall with this virus, which I think has happened two really significant times so far in this thing's goofy lifespan, uh, we've stepped up. We've stepped up our game, and we've knocked the curve down. We've, we've done a lot better with it. And here's hoping for that again. Here's also hoping to end this on a pleasant note that the researchers at the University of Pittsburgh, who yesterday had a press conference to announce that llamas might save us. And yes, I said llamas, as in L-L-A-M-A-S, llamas. Because they can produce, they and camels and one other animal I forgot, are really, really good at producing certain kinds of antibodies that are really simple and can be easily replicated in a lab. Llamas apparently have this thing nailed. The llamas are on it. And full credit, and I say this seriously, to the men and women in Oakland, that's our Oakland, not the one in California, who've done this hard work for three months, and here's hoping they can pull out something. It would be a nasal spray, by the way. And it would also be, if you're keeping score at home, the second time that the University of Pittsburgh will have helped save the planet. So that'd be kind of neat, too. Thanks so much for listening to this. I'm heading to Texas tomorrow, and that's where the next Daily Shot will come from. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.